physical media and entertainment from the silver screen to the palm of your hand. What's going on, everybody? This is Gabe and Chase with the From Screen to Shelf podcast. Uh, we are missing our good friend Will today. He was busy with some uh, work stuff. So uh, Chase and I will be holding down the podcast today. And today we are going to be talking about uh, a few things that kind of all influence each other. We're going to be talking about uh, remakes. We're going to be talking about uh, the shift towards international media and the international market um, and how those two things kind of influence each other. We've seen a big shift lately, at least the past few years, where a lot of people are consuming international media. Um, I've been personally watching a lot of movies like from Japan the past year. Um, Chase, I think he's been watching a lot of like Italian horror films. Um, We've been just consuming a lot of different media that doesn't originate in the u.s which has been an interesting kind of talking point that we've been discussing so we thought we'd bring it to the podcast and we also were talking about remakes and how remakes have just been kind of been you know coming out non-stop lately um so we kind of want to talk about these things and kind of how they all influence each other and i think chase had um uh, an opening title that he kind of wanted to talk about in terms of remakes and w- which title was that chase yeah, and it's it's just because of the way that it evolves, but the one I wanted to bring up as a good remake and a warranted one is the three King or two King Kong remakes, three King Kong films. Um I, I did want to ask you, have you ever seen the nineteen thirties King Kong? Yes, a while back. Dude, it is a masterpiece. It is genuinely a masterpiece. The way that they did things, like it still holds up. Like I remember the first time I saw that when I was like 12, 13 years old. Um, I was like, I was just absolutely amazed that they did what they did at that time, you know, and even then when you compare other movies for what came out and stuff like that, like it's just a huge testament to its time and it still stands the test of time. But that brings up my point. Then you get the 1970s King Kong. um, That is good. Very good. But it's a warranted remake that came out about 40, 45 years later. Because technology advanced, the way that Mm -hmm. cinema was uh, scaled, the way that it was done, you know, and then another 30, 40, about 30 years later, then you have Peter Jackson's King Kong that comes out because CGI is huge, which he had been working on a King Kong remake, but the Lord of the Rings movies overtook it since the 90s. Fun fact. He was trying because that was one of his favorite movies as a kid. So the stu- he approached the studio, studios approached him mutually, and then they started collaborating on a King Kong movie that got shelved for a while. He was already making props and everything for the King Kong movie. Well, I didn't know he was that far along. I yeah, thought he was he, like just like like conceptually in his mind that he wanted to do it. No, yeah, he had already started um, making certain props based on like my research because when after I finished Lord of the Rings, I went down a deep dive. Um, into the King Kong remake. I ended up rewatching it right after uh, I finally, after years, finished the Lord of the Rings remake or not remake uh, series. And so then I started diving into the 2005 Peter Jackson's King Kong because that's one of my favorite movies ever, man. I love that movie. I did not know like, that. <laughs> dude, I love that movie, man. Um, yeah, like the fight scenes, the drama, the acting. I, I wouldn't call it a perfect movie, but it, I, I, it damn near is from front to back it's one of those longer run times where it runs tight it's never boring to me jack black kills it it's one of those things outside of his realm so i love watching it for that fact alone and again that's where i'm getting with like remakes whenever you get something that's different but try but true to the formula true to what you have a fan making a fan film essentially yeah. you know what i mean like somebody that's a huge fan of it has a lot of passion wants to make a movie that they want to watch right so I feel like whenever you get a director like Peter Jackson that makes something that like he'd want to sit on the couch with his family and watch as well, 
uh, and then something that he's going to want to look back at 20, 30, 40 years later and be like, I did that. You know what I mean? And still enjoy it. That's where it comes out absolutely amazing, especially when you're talking about a giant ape and then computer graphics and animation and yeah. stuff like that has evolved so much almost 80 years since the original. It's just something very, 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 very rewarding. You know what I mean? Um, especially like this isn't a spoiler, everybody. I feel like if you haven't seen the Peter Jackson King Kong, there's just something wrong at that point. But the the fight with the T Rex, you know what I mean? Oh, dude, uh, I love that fight sequence. Yeah, exactly, dude. There's just it, it's just peak to me, you know. But those are warranted remakes that I feel like whenever as time evolves and technology evolves, those are bound to happen, right? Um, but then you get some that aren't needed, like the 1970s Wicker Man versus the Nick Cage Wicker Man. Why did oh, you need God, to remake dude. that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like technology advanced that much for something to come out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, now there's times where like you just kind of want to take the general idea, like something I'm a huge believer in is I think the 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 Purge series needs a remake. You know what I mean? Take the idea of it and actually do it justice right some of them are good but most of them aren't are pretty forgettable because just i think we have the point yeah like they they just don't i don't think they utilize their premise to the fullest ability you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying like i feel like it had has somebody gets a hold of that premise and does it justice that you could have something absolutely cult classic mm -hmm. instant classic even right something that does really well at the box office something that gets people to go to the theater, put themselves in the seat and then go from there. Uh, but otherwise you just get so many that came out, especially during the bad era of specifically horror in the two thousands um, that just were cash grabs, you know, yeah. the remake of Texas chainsaw. It's decent. It's not my favorite, but it's decent. Then you have the Rob zombie Halloween remakes. Then you have the Friday the 13th remake, which I actually like. But you have so many things that are just trying to capitalize on something that really didn't need to be capitalized on. So that's kind of how I wanted us to open it up because I wanted to open it up on a more positive note with positive remakes like King Kong because those are things that are going to happen, right? Yeah. Like Godzilla doesn't get that treatment. Like they don't remake. I guess minus one would be the closest thing to a remake of the original that we've ever had to Godzilla. Um, you've had some like reboots to like revitalize the series, but I don't think that falls anywhere in the category of what we're talking about. So, like, getting something like King Kong that has actually remade the movie twice over at this point, three entries total, it's it's it's, it's something that's warranted versus the things that we'll eventually talk about that are completely unwarranted that didn't need to happen at all. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like King Kong is a good example of like, and people sometimes use this term interchangeably, right? Like a reimagining, right? Like where you mm -hmm. said King Kong is kind of this, it's this film where. You know, every few decades, you know, it, it's it's a new time. It's a new era. It's a new way of like looking at movies. It's a new way that movies are actually developed and produced. Like so it, it's it's reimagined every few decades and it brings yeah. something to that like to that audience or to that decade. Right. And I kind of like I was even thinking about, I mean, in a way, kind of like so was, like superhero movies had kind of done that too. kind of like, you know, you have your 80s Batman or whatever. And then. You do, you know, like Nolan's trilogy or you do the Batman that just came out now. And it's kind of like this, you know, every decade has kind of like a new reimagining, a reinterpretation of that movie. And I think yeah. those those can be warranted. I, I think that the the movies that you're talking about, you know, where it's just kind of like, I'm just going to remake this movie just because it was really good. Right. And it's a good mm -hmm. plot. And it's it's something that may intrigue people. I don't think those are warranted. I'm, I'm thinking of kind of the, you and I were talking about it before. 
uh, we started recording, uh, you you had never heard there was an old boy uh, yeah, remake, maybe. right? With yeah. Josh Brolin. And yep. to me, that's like kind of like you already have this movie that's like, I mean, I think old boy was like 2000, 2003 or something like that. I don't, I don't remember the exact yeah. year, but it was early 2000s. And it, it's already well done. Like you said, there's nothing else that you could really add to it or reimagine to it. Um, so why make it? Why make a remake of that movie? Because at that point, you're taking something that's like really special and really unique and you can't replicate that. So yeah. I, I think it, it really boils down to it's like, do you have a a, a property or a film that it, something that you could reimagine versus just remake? And I know people yeah. use those terms re- interchangeably, but like 2001, you can't you can't Never. remake 2001. You know what I mean? It, it's like its yeah. own experience. But, you know, if you take something like King Kong or something like Batman or something, I mean, they're they're talking about trying to do, I think, recently like Harry Potter, which is like another yeah, one. Which is, like, there's no need. That just came out like 10 years ago, man. Like, yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It, it's it, yeah. it, it, that's when you can tell that it, it's not it's not creativity and ingenuity. It's just like trying to make money. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of remakes also just like, you know, that's where they fall flat. It's like, you know, is there kind of like what you said with like Peter Jackson where someone's just really passionate about, you know, King Kong and it's just trying to reinterpret or reimagine it for this generation versus, you know, old boy made a lot of money. Let's make a remake, you know, with Josh Brown <laughs> and, yeah. and see how it does. And that that that's a problem. And I think over time th- there have been some good remakes. You know what I mean? I think like. I think we we're talking about the ring too, right? So, yeah, but you know, you have a ringu that was uh, made in Japan. I think it was like '98 or something like that, and then the yeah. the ring came out. I think was it 2002? Yeah, 2002, 2003. Which yeah. to me, I mean, the ring was was pretty solid. Like I thought the ring, yeah. you know, it was a pretty solid movie. Um, but you really have to take care in trying to make something like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like you you have a source material for something that just came out five years ago. And it's like, how can I kind of make it unique or more applicable to, you know, the the culture or the the time or era that I'm trying to do now? So, I mean, remakes can work. We're not trying to, like, you know, shit on remakes, so to speak. Yeah. But it it's very difficult for them to work. If it's not an actual, yeah. like you said, multi-generational reimagining. Yeah. It, it, it's it's scary to watch, man. And the, the Ring was actually a solid movie, in my opinion. And, and I yeah. really like Ringu a lot. So, um but I think over time, I think the past two decades, we've just been hammered down with so many bad <laughs> remakes, like remake yeah. after remake after remake. And you had an interesting theory that I kind of want to bring up. You you had said, so we, we've been hammered down with all these bad remakes and then and kind of transitioning into the kind of the international uh, market that we were just talking about. You said like in 2019, Parasite came out and then you said yeah. you noticed like a major shift. What was the major shift that you saw? I, the major shift that I saw for the most part was like, I mean, I just remember the biggest word of mouth is nobody really knew what Parasite was. Uh, like a really good, um, how do you say this? A really good way of saying it is like Godzilla minus one, right? If a lot more people had a lot more mainstream appeal, like it's doing really, really well, but it's not doing 500 million, a billion, like a superhero movie or a Steven Spielberg flick or a Martin Scorsese movie. You know what I mean? Like those are guaranteed to generate a lot of money depending on how it's produced and released, i.e. like um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Everybody knows that's coming Mm -hmm. out on streaming, so they might wait till it comes out at home, right? Yeah. So 
the biggest thing is a lot of people checked out Parasite because they're like, how, you know, best picture, this and that. What is that movie? Right. So the biggest thing whenever it comes to um, that is I just feel like it's it's started to get a lot of attention, you know, like before we deep dive into that too, too much, because like the biggest thing whenever it comes to um, certain types of remakes, right, because it, it definitely is all intertwining in the way that it happens, because you still have some really, really good ones, right? Like David Cronenberg's The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. John Carpenter's The Thing, which is a I remake. about The Fly. Holy crap. Yeah. I it's, yeah. And that's a remake. And, yeah. Yeah. And then um, then you have like I would call spiritual remakes like The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, right? Which, I mean, you have The Mummy with Bor- Boris Karloff from like the 30s, mm-hmm. 40s, but it's completely different, right? I, I would say and, that's like a reimagining for like that new generation, right? It's like, exactly. and it's not even like the same tone really as the original. Yeah. Like, it's a completely different just reinterpretation of it. Yeah. And then, like, I'm sure you saw this movie because it was the talk of the town, True Grit with Jeff Bridges oh, and yeah. Damon. Oh, dude, I love that man. That was Coen Brothers, right? Yep. I, yep. Directed by the Coen brothers. That's a remake, um, dude. Holy shit. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you have some more polarizing ones, and that's where I'm getting like, and then it's okay. There's another good way. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you had that one that was made for TV. Um, that's just like it's two parts, one movie, whenever you buy it on a Blu-ray, but then it came out in two parts. I think that's a warranted remake. You know, it's based mm-hmm. off a novel. You can have more like direct interpretation of it, right? Then you have some like um, some absolutely freaking soulless ones. Like one of my, if you tuned into our Christmas episode, we talked about some of our favorite Christmas movies, and I shouted out Black Christmas. The movie's been remade twice. I actually do like the 2006 remake. Um, It's not up there with the original, but it's decent, and it's actually gotten a little bit of a cult status as time has gone on. Then you have that absolutely soulless one that doesn't even need to be given five seconds of fame from 2019. That one's awful. You know what I mean? It it just mm-hmm. takes like it, it didn't need to be called Black Christmas. It didn't. It just it yeah. could have been called so many other things other than that. So it just became more or less of a cash grab, right? Mm-hmm. But then I feel like you have good ways of doing it, like we've mentioned before, and we're not gonna go too much on these two titles I'm about to mention, but there's better ways of doing it without really pissing people off. Instead of remaking an original, like whenever it comes to David Gordon Green's Halloween uh, series or trilogy, just continue after that. Have your own story without really retconning much. Just have different timelines, you know? Yeah. Exorcist Believer, you know? Like we, everybody knows how we feel about that movie. But it, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then you have great ways of doing it, like Scream 5. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I know some people don't like it that much after 6 came out. I don't see the problem with 5 at all. Um, six very good it took the Mm -hmm. franchise in a completely different direction but yeah and then that intertwines with what you're talking about with like because then you had a lot of movies and i can't name a lot of them off because i'm more like you were mentioned earlier like i'm more into giallo whenever it comes to like foreign international releases Mm -hmm. um italian horror it was just done differently it's just a whole different breed of movies out there yeah so then once you start getting like the market overly saturated, I believe there was another one called One Missed Call. I think was short, uh, sort of based off of a Japanese movie. If you remember that one, where like they get a call, familiar. I don't remember it off the top of my head. It's almost exactly like a, the premise of Ring, where like they watch it and they have a, a ticking time bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, after they watch that tape or get a hold of it, it's like after you get the call, you have a ticking time bomb on you. You know what I mean? 
Um, so like the person's trying to subvert the call. So you've got a lot of that. And I think they found a lot of success with ring. And since horror movies are so lower budget and, um, how do you say it? So, so easy to produce, you know, you yeah. can make them in five to six weeks, um, mm-hmm. almost maximum at that point. So then you start getting into like the more modern times where after you do that for 10, 15 years, 10, 15 years at one point was a, it, you could do so much in that time frame, right? But now we're at a point where like, look what happened with Marvel and, and kind of their reputation over like the last year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. They spent 10 years building up a phase and a saga just for it to really get diminished rather quickly. And that same thing can happen whenever you're oversaturated with reboot, requels, sequels, this and that, rather than original IPs. And I think that's why a lot of people are gravitating, which is why I wanted to go on that tangent real quick, to international films and distributors like A24. You know what I mean? Because A24 does so much original content, like um, whether they're massive box office successes or not, they always get this almost cult-like second win. A lot of their releases do. Like... um, I think we had mentioned it. It might have been on air or off air at one point, but um, inside the zone or zone of the insider about Mm -hmm. the concentration camp, um, it's not showing anywhere, but I've been seeing a lot of advertisements for it. It's getting a huge second win, but it came out almost a month, month and a half ago at this point. And so like things like that are, are super rewarding. And then whenever you get things like Godzilla minus one, I know we bring that up all the time. Had you taken Godzilla out, replaced it with any kaiju, anything like this, anything like that, it still would have been a damn near masterpiece. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a familiar name. It put butts in seats. It got people going and it's doing very well. And I'm so happy for it. And then to intertwine with Parasite, a lot of people got like an original story like that, had so much going for it. It was very engaging, very emotional, very rewarding. And I think at a time whenever that movie was coming out, that's not to say that there's nothing out there. But what a lot of the mainstream um, Hollywood gets fed to us, right? All of those flicks, the things that you see a lot more bigger advertisement budget that is constantly playing on like YouTube ads, TV, cable ads, stuff like that. It, it waters a lot down, right? So then you want to go seek other things. Like one of my favorite South Korean watches after Parasite was The Villainous. Shout out The Villainous. A lot of people are aware hey, of that movie. About that one. It's so good, man. And it directly inspired the motorcycle chase scene, like in the behind the scenes extras on the on the disc. Mm-hmm. They name dropped the villainous as the direct inspiration for that movie or parts of that movie. That's dope. it's done that well. You know what I mean? So I, I just find it so rewarding that places are getting like all of this little international appeal when it comes to reboots, remakes, sequels, stuff like that. Um, because you can't, there, there's original content. Like one of the, the phrases I despise is when there's no good movies, dude, you just aren't looking that yeah, is just, you're, you're looking you know, in the wrong you, place at that point. Yeah. There's so much good movies, man. Like there really is. That's like saying like modern music is trash. No, just what you happen to be listening to. You just need to go and find it. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it's the, the problem is, and you brought this up beforehand. It, it's this kind of the, as soon as you kind of get the, get the corporate kind of involvement, right. Or the corporate integra- integration with it, where it's just like yeah. pumping out movies to get the numbers up. Kind of, you had brought up Disney as well. Marvel, uh, like the, the, the live action remakes, like Cinderella and Lion yeah. King and all that stuff. Like, you're just pumping out content that we've already seen multiple times. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and at that point, there's no kind of creative ingenuity. Like it's just, you're literally just trying to make a profit. And I think a lot of these international markets 
you know, whether it's Italy or South Korea or Japan or wherever, I think the studios there, you know, they're, they're, they're operating under a different framework than our traditional kind of Hollywood framework, right? Where it's like Hollywood, it's, it's about crunch time and making money. And over there, it's, it's really, I think they're in the, in this kind of awesome phase where it's like they can explore, right. And they can try new Mm -hmm. things and they can take their time making really good movies. Right. And they can kind of, I think, you know, bringing up Godzilla minus one again, like they can take a budget and and squeeze the hell out of it, right? And and produce something that's like phenomenal. And and we just don't have that here. And I think honestly, the interna- international markets right now are probably benefiting from kind of this, you know, this fatigue that we have of just watching the same crap here over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and you and I have seen at least on the Reddit and Discord where I mean, people are bringing up foreign movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've recently been watching like a lot of you and I have been talking about uh, Japanese horror movies. That's all I've been watching like the past like month and a half. I've been watching uh, Dark Water, um, a lot of kind of the um, I was watching a lot of Kurosawa movies as well. Um, yeah. High and Low, Ikru, Stray Dog, um, just really good movies. Like you said, it's just you need to know where to look for these movies. It's like yeah. if you're just watching a lot of the mainstream Hollywood movies you're not going to get anything that's kind of rewarding. You're just kind of going to get the same old, same old, the same formula, and you're going to get tired of it. Um, Yeah. And right now, I think at least a lot of moviegoers from what we've seen, it's kind of this big shift into kind of international media. And Mm -hmm. even, I mean, even if we want to bring it to physical media, I mean, a lot of physical media too, has just been a lot of like cult international movies that, you know, have that are like 20 years old and then they're getting kind of this, you know, this big uh, release again. And, and it's it's exciting to see, dude. It's it's something that's different. And and I think kind of what you said was spot on when Parasite came out, that really, I think, shifted everyone, everyone's mind frame towards like, wow, this is a really good movie. This came from South Korea. Let's watch more South Korean, uh, you know, uh, content. Yep. And I think, you know, with like Squid Games the past few years and a lot of, um even just a television series as well. Um, there's a, another one I was watching, Alice in Borderland. I don't know if you've seen that or, or not. It kind of like Squid Games, but it's a, it's, I think it's a Japanese or South Korean uh, uh, show. And dude, it's just so original. It's just so unique and it's like yeah. so engaging. And you just don't get that with kind of mainstream Hollywood with the, with the, with the framework we're working under right now, at least. Yeah. So no, I, I agree. I, yeah. I, I mean, do you, what do you think is going on at least I, I, since we're all kind of shifting towards like A24 and international movies and everything like that? What do you see happening with the climate here now, though? Because, I mean, if, we, if we're going to keep doing what we've been doing with the way Hollywood's been releasing these films, I mean, what do you see happening here? Yeah, I mean, it just really depends. Like, you know, that goes back to like with what we were talking about with um, I think it was our state of cinema. It might have been even in our state of physical media episode where we kind of prefaced and talked about like people just don't want to go out. You know what I mean? And not everybody. Right. Not going to put everybody in a box, but a lot of people are more inclined to be able to sit at home, do this, do that, be able to pause it, take their bathroom breaks. So I think what it's coming down to, like. Physical media over the last few months has been getting a massive second wind because once you start adding up HBO Max, once you start adding up the extra $20 for Netflix, this and that, right? People just would rather pay the 20 bucks if they're only watching a handful of movies because not a lot of people watch multiple movies a week like we do. You know what I mean? Some people are one, two movies a month type of people, if that at all. I know people that don't watch movies at all. But I think the biggest shift has just been like 
it's going to be what is original, what looks different, and what is ultimately, how do you say this, going to be the most rewarding experience based off of initial first impressions off the trailer, right? Like as of the time that this drops, our ISS review should be out. Like that's something that should go out there and get people going for an original concept, something that's good, something that's different, a nice script. It's not perfect by any means, but the more you go and support smaller indie projects like that, the more you're going to get. But now that I think that over the last 365 days or so that bigger budget Marvel movies and Disney movies and stuff like that have been tanking more so than less – um, I'm hoping that they start listening, right? Um, you have Poor Things, which was pretty critically acclaimed at all these awards that have been going on lately, right? Yeah. With uh, Emma Watson and Willem Dafoe, which I definitely want to check out at this point. But it's an original concept. It's different. It falls more into that art house category more so than anything else. And I don't I think it's Fox. I don't think that's it looks like an A24 movie. But it's not. I don't know who did it, and I, it's actually based off of a novel, which I didn't know either. So I guess it's. Oh, really? A, yeah, it's based off of a novel. But like what you said, it's still kind of just original in the sense, like you you don't see something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you watch the trailer for. Have you seen the trailer for? Because I know you stay away from trailers quite a bit. I, I actually, actually, I think it pre-rolled during something I went and saw, um, but yeah. I don't remember it at all. It's wonky to look at, man. It looks like a weird movie, but it, but also that's the the draw, right? Because you're like you're watching something that you haven't seen before, and yeah. I I don't know if a lot of these studios are gonna listen because I mean, like you know, bringing up like Disney, like they're, they're just so accustomed to that formula, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. when when was the last time outside of maybe some of the Pixar movies that Disney has developed like new IP? Yeah, no, that. <laughs> Yeah, and it's always drawn from like source material or like because they have so much original content and that goes back in like into the all encompassing conversation of everything we're talking about with like what you said and what we were talking about before we started recording was like they're trying to remake everything live action that they can that they have an animated warehouse for essentially Lions King, um, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, I think Snow White mm-hmm. is their next one. Um, yeah, but I, I get yeah. it. They make money. But kind of, know. I mean, like you, you said, know? They, they've been tanking, though. This past year, I think it showed that they're not really making money. Yeah. When you have, you know, Marvel uh, Marvel movies underperforming when you have, I think there was some, some uh, there was like some, it was, it was like a, it, it was kind of like a Disney original princess kind of thing. Maybe there was one that came out this past year. Wish, I think it was. Wish, it? yeah, that one we talked yeah, about. Yeah, that, that one, yeah. Awful. And it tanked. But, but, but yeah. you know what? I don't even consider it like original content because you're just playing into the same freaking the same freaking plot again man it's like some princess and they're you know like they're overcoming something and at the end it's like kind of the happy you know uh formulaic ending of just like you know everything happily ever after kind of deal and it's just like yeah you know what you're gonna get with a disney movie and i i guess what i mean by new ip is like they're not i don't think they're branching out and making like new intellectual properties that are that are different right like something that's gonna kind of garner a response that's like wow we haven't seen something like that from disney in a while um, yeah. But even other studios too, man. Like, I mean, like, I think we were taught, were we talking about this last podcast? I think they're making like a Twister remake or, or uh, no, sequel. no, yeah, they're doing a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> I, I don't think that's necessary. I don't, I, I just don't see the point in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like when you're, when you're going through your filmography and you're like, yeah, let's make a Twister sequel. That's, that's telling me you're running out of, out of ideas. Yeah. And, and you're kind of, 
panicking at this point. And I, and I think the answers there, like you said, it's like, you know, you just need to look at a 24. You need to look at all these other, you know, uh, international markets and see all the content that they're putting out and kind of just, you know, come to this conclusion, like, yeah, we need to start developing new intellectual properties. I just know that's a risk for them. And maybe, I mean, yeah. do you think that's like the biggest variable is just the risk component of developing something new? Well, I, I think it just depends. Like one of Marvel's strongest um, attributes or Disney's really was taking somebody and then making them famous. You know what I mean? But they would always still have like these intense budgets, even though they're paying people pennies on like their star list. You know what mm. I mean? Um, like Chris Evans, you know, he he was pretty successful. I mean, he was freaking Human Torch. I knew who he was before Captain America. Yeah. Everybody knew who Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. was before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, like those are poor examples. But then you have other great examples of people who have like turned into stars overnight. You know what I mean? Um, but then at the same time, you look at these things, they still have 80, $100 million budgets, uh, 120, $250 million budgets, right? So I think it, it, you hit the nail on the head. I think what it is is like other countries can give three, four, five million dollars to somebody and their currency converted. It might be a lot less in USD. So comparatively, it could be technically half the budget after conversion. And then they make something wonderful like villainous. You know, mm -hmm. like I can't go on about how great that movie is all the time. But then I have to see how much the budget was for this. Because um, one for of my villainous favorite, or no one of my favorite um female led or just really action movies in general is um yeah like atomic blonde was made on a budget of 30 million dollars and it grossed 100 oh, I million movie. yeah i love that movie so much it's one of my favorite of all time in that category in action and um it's just it, it still could have been done less and gotten the same result in a lot of other places you know what i'm saying like our budgets are just so much more astronomically higher. Like whenever it comes to, um, how do you say it? A star power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's very easy for Robert Downey Jr. to say, Hey, I need $25 million. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like it's just super, super, super easy to say that to somebody. Um, I actually can't find the budget at all for villainous, but if I can't find it, I'd have to assume it was next to nothing. So, well, I mean, like, uh, but yeah. you brought up like, like Atomic Blonde. I mean, is that you said thirty million? Was that USD? Yeah, that, that was USD. For for that was, uh, which which studio was that? Pretty sure that was Universal. Universal, but see, I mean, like, that's a good example to me of like, I mean, you have like original content, right? And it's not. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of like action movies with female protagonists, right? Yeah. Like, but the the thing that Atomic Blonde did differently, it just the story and the way everything kind of wrapped up at the end, the style, yeah. like it, it was just all unique. And it, you know, when that movie rolls, you're kind of like, I have not seen a female led action movie like this before in yeah. quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that studios are recognizing that that's what people want. You know what I mean? They, they technically speaking, I, I heard someone say this on a, I think it was on a Reddit or a screenwriting Reddit or, or something of that sort. Every story has been done before. Yeah. Right. When you when when you come to think about it, you know what I mean? Like every theme has been explored. Every story has been practically done before. What, yeah. what makes yours unique is just kind of like your ability to kind of bring your own creative and, you know, uh, like your vision to the screen pretty much. Yeah. And and, and I your think style. This, yeah, your style and your vision. That's what's going to make it unique. Like we just did an ISS review earlier. Um, 
that film could have tanked. It's a cool premise, right? But it could yeah. have tanked if if it didn't have that kind of claustrophobic style, right? Where it was just yeah. focused on the characters. Um, mm. If it was some big budget, you know, like ISS, you know, like, you know, with like explosions and stuff, it may not have been as successful. But yeah. because, you know, people are bringing in original content and bringing in their interpretation of it to the screen, it's more likely to be successful. So, um yeah, man, I'm hoping that they learn from kind of the way these international markets are doing things. And like you said, I, I don't know. Do you do you see that happening in international markets, though? Do you see them turning kind of into Hollywood the bigger that they get? So when you have movies like, you know, Parasite and um, there's been quite a few from South Korea recently specific, in particular. I mean, Squid Games made them a crap load of money. Um, yeah, like, that and that movie that Will shouted out from A24 on his best of. Oh, Past uh, Lives. Past Lives. Yeah, yep. Past Lives. I mean, they've been. I mean, they've been killing it lately. I mean, do you see that yeah. happening in other markets, like where it become kind of Hollywoodized? I guess I could say, for lack of a better term, I mean, because of of how successful they're getting. I guess it depends because also once like, I mean, a lot of people know this, but I think it just takes some reminding. Is Bollywood India is the biggest movie market in the world? You know, like it, it, we're 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 not even really a close second for their volume of movies that they pump out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and even if you go on your AMC app and check like what's showing, uh, if you scroll to the way way bottom, there's at least six or seven uh, Bollywood movies that you can catch over here, right? And um, I've heard good things about like that movie Animal that came out of Bollywood. It's like uh, mm-hmm. three and a half hours long. I've heard great things about that movie. Unfortunately, that's not a market or a I wouldn't even call it a genre, but a markets um, movie base that I've really dived into quite yet. But they pump it out. They do cheap things. They do like they even did like a complete Exorcist uh, ripoff, like word for oh, word God. at one point, <laughs> like from the 70s. You know what I mean? So like they, they have a really good way over there of producing their own big budget movies and then having so much more smaller like indie appreciation, right? Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot more people in there's a lot of people in India, right? Yeah. Especially comparatively to over here for us. But I mean, they're always taking chances. They're putting like cameras in filmmakers' hands, letting them like experience their vision. Now I don't know like the status of their market outside of that. I just know that it's they're miles ahead of us in terms of like relative output. Um, and everything like that. Like, they're the number one movie market in the world. Uh, as much as we may or may not consume it on a basis, I hope, I I mean, that'd be really cool to see something like uh, out of there, like get like parasite status. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I mean, they had a, that movie last year. Was it last year, the RRR movie? Uh, You're right. That's the one, the one I keep trying to think of. RRR. I heard Dude, great did you watch things it? about that. No, you. Oh, I think you man, told me to watch so it. I heard it so I've good. watched it three times, bro. And it's three yeah. hours long, but it is so freaking fun, bro. It is like yeah. one of the funnest movies I've seen in, in years. And it's so over really? the top. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, it's ridiculously over the top. I mean, but it, it's it's it knows what it is. Yeah. And it's it's it can go from like action to like musical all of a sudden to like freaking yeah. just like this these bonkers crazy scenes man but it it's so steven spielberg saw it actually and he he actually did like a shout out to the director just because he's like i i've never seen anything like this in the past like decade yeah Um, it's a really really good movie dude it's it's really solid awards right i think it won recognition yeah i think i think the there's a song in there that um they cut to and i think that that won like an award um nice okay there i think it won an award for something else i don't remember but um yeah i mean like you i I don't know i want to see the budget of that movie because that budget is three uh i mean that movie is three hours long 
Yeah. Um, and I, I think let me see the budget for it was. Uh, it's not translating to USD, but it, it is the most expensive in like movie from India that's ever been made. That's oh, really? Sure. Yeah. Like it, it's like a ridiculously big budget. But I mean, to be honest, though, man, I think the important like lesson from that movie, though, is kind of like what you said. It's it's like. You, you're you taking a risk on something, even if it is a bigger than what we usually, you know, like in, in India, maybe they, they're used to kind of smaller budgets, but, you know, they put all this money into this movie because they wanted to take that risk. It was something original, it was something different, and they let it happen. And then they, it, I mean, the, the award paid off at the end of it. Yeah. I don't know. I heard they're maybe doing like a sequel or maybe working with the same team again on another movie, but um yeah, dude, it's it's just you don't see that here. Like you don't see movies like RRR or um, even like Parasite. I keep bringing up Parasite, but like you don't see movies like that being made here that can get a little bit of a bigger budget with a very unique idea. Um, yeah, because studios are kind of hesitant about crowds. Yeah, and some of it, I mean. It, it, some of it is kind of like what you brought up. People are not going out, which is another reason i think that people have shifted towards kind of international media because they are at home and they're on tubi right and they're just like straight going through the library and they're like all these different movies and like let me just watch it yeah. which is cool I, I would say that's the cool part of streaming is like it has exposed people to a lot of different content there's a lot of different movies i would have never been able to see without streaming um yeah but you know I, I we're just in this weird time right now where it's like you know is, is streaming dominance versus theatrical dominance and how do you kind of balance those two out and then when you're bringing into you know bringing in new ips into this this market where people don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. i think that's i think that's the problem but i think at the end of the day i could be wrong but i mean they, they probably need to just pull the trigger and just start working on new ips and take the risk otherwise yeah. you're, you're gonna you're going to go, you're going to lose money just like Disney did all last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and I actually converted that. That's converted to $66 million if I did the conversion right uh, for, through Google for RRR. $66 million? Yeah, that's Dude, their most that expensive movie, movie. Bro, like if you watch it, that movie, like to me, it's like, like in, if that was made here in the US, I'd say that was probably like a $150, 200000000 million movie. Really? Yeah. Like it's that's crazy. bonkers, some of the stuff they yeah. do in it. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like to go to that point, like also like uh, since I have gone into like a lot of Gialli, uh, Gialli, Giallo, Italian horror stuff, like anything in between, really. The thing I've noticed is like whenever I go and look up the budgets of some of these and it's like a million dollars converted and stuff like that, I was like, how did they do that? Like uh, <laughs> shout out Lucio Fulci. Like that dude is just like great at practical effects. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. The thing is, is like it's no different than whenever you look at some of these um, movies that like producers have started slashing their budgets mid roll. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Mid production and everything like that. And then now they come out with something even better because now they have a tenth of the budget that they just had because the producer just came on set and just slashed it all. So then you get all these creative minds that find new ways and really help evolve cinema in general. Because yeah. they're finding cheaper ways to do it. So I guess that's one of the reasons it confuses me. I'd have to assume that it really just comes down to labor and just the star power that some of these places, uh, people are getting on these budgets. But even then like ISS, which I know we talked about a couple of times already. I mean, I didn't really have any star power outside of West side stories. Uh, I forget her name. Um, one of the lead actresses from there. Uh, she was in one of the stars in West side story. She was like one of the main stars. And so 
you know, unless she got a big majority of that budget, there wasn't enough CGI to warrant a $13.6 million Mm -hmm. budget. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, there's got to be ways to like cut things down because if RRR can come out and be $66 million converted, if I did it right, that's just wild. You know what I mean? Then Godzilla has been the talk of the cinema world lately with its budget and stuff like that. Um, I think people sleep on Shin Godzilla because that movie had a similar budget and had a lot more CGI going on in it. Most budget Um, on that one. Same. Under 15. Yeah. Under $15 million converted. Um, and that's the one where like Godzilla's got like the the quad mouth where it opens up in like four sections like that. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about? That movie, yeah, yeah. So that one had under 15 million. It's just that they they have a craft that they're doing over there. They're able to articulate it. They're able to sit down. And I think I don't know if we talked about it here, um, but like a good way of doing it, right, would be it, it has to come down to like creative freedom at that point mm-hmm. and less studio interference, which we can feel in movies whenever we see them. Oh, yeah. uh, cookie cutter studio interference base and mm-hmm. versus something that has creative control. I wanted to shout out a movie, my bloody Valentine, which has gotten a huge cult status and second yeah, win lately. I love that movie. Yeah. So um, I watched the original one. I went and bought the screen factory release and then I watched the 2009 one and there's a lot. It's an actual collector's edition. It's got a lot of behind the scenes footage on that Screen Factory release. And so one of the things they were talking about is like they started filming it midsummer and it was like a four to six week shoot and they all had a blast, this and that. But the MPAA had them cut it nine different times. So they were only able to get the prints and theatrical prints in very shortly before the air date because Valentine's Day, they wanted it in before Valentine's Day. Mm hmm. But in other countries, like what was it? COVID delayed uh, Godzilla minus one. I believe the script was ready for years. Like, what was it? 2018, if I did my research right. Oh, wow. It was 2018, 19. He started the, um, the director started writing the script, started doing this, doing that. Essentially, where I'm getting is like, it just came out the end of 2023. That movie marinated for years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like a good comparison is like when things aren't rushed and you have like, I know we're talking about movies, but a good comparison would be like an indie game developer that spends three or four yeah. years making their own game. And then you get massive quality. The graphics look good. The story's good. The plot's good because they aren't rushed. They're, mm-hmm. they're their own boss at that point doing this. I think it really comes down to being under the scrutiny of certain studios. And, you know, I get it. Universal, you've been around for a while. Paramount, you've been around for a while. Yeah. You, you, you I wouldn't say you know what you're doing because sometimes I question these places, but they, they've had a formula and they've shown success with the way that they want things done, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't necessarily question it and they're not always going to call the shots right. But I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is like I can get something, I can feel the labor of love, you know, and Godzilla minus one and Parasite and the villainous. Um, based on the word of mouth, I've heard on RRR and past live, past lives and stuff like that. Um, squid games you know stuff like mm-hmm. that they just pick up the rights and i have to assume they just say let us know when it's ready to drop and then you know what i mean yeah I doubt they expected it to be a huge hit they just uh, uh, a dump and go you know as mm-hmm. i like to call it so i guess it really just depends and especially the way that streaming has really augmented the way that we consume things as well right um like even i'm guilty of this i'll passively watch some movies on my remote days from work whenever i'm here you know like right here my tv's right there and then the way it's positioned, I can fill out a report and watch something at the same time. You know what yeah. I mean? So if it's a TV show, I'll have it playing in the background, tune into it, do this, do that. And that's not how I always consume things. 
but I think it really just comes down to that. Just so many different layers. It's like an onion. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> not just one thing, right? And I mean, yeah. the, the budget thing you said was interesting. It's just kind of like, especially horror movies, right? With like the smaller budgets, how they were able to squeeze more out of it. Yeah. And I think, interesting, you know, I'm going to plug in Nolan right now. Just because, but it wasn't yeah. Nolan. I think it was one of the producers on one of his films. He was talking about how like on his sets, at least, like, all the money goes in front of the camera and he, like everything behind the camera. It's like, for lack of a better term, it's like ghetto as hell. Like there yeah, isn't like, yeah. like he said, like there's no monitor village. He said that there isn't place like for the actors to see with like a tent and like, you know, like sprinkler systems if it's hot and like, you know, yeah. like people getting food catered and all that. He's like, it's literally all the money is in front of the camera. And yeah. I think that like what you said, like with star power too, it's like, no, it's like you, you can't do that. I think at, at this point, with where we're at in the state of cinema, you can't just throw someone like Johnny Depp. I remember he did that Pirates movie. He got like $50 million, which is freaking bonkers to me, man. That's like, yeah. a, you know, a third of your budget, a fourth of your budget on one person. Like, yeah. we, we're just not in the state of cinema where you could do that anymore. And I think it is yeah. better because you and I were talking about 2001 a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. You were telling me about some of the stuff Kubrick had to do, kind of to you know, with the budget he had and the constraints he had. Yeah, but the that film looks, yeah, that film looks freaking phenomenal. It looks incredible. Yeah. But I think people are able to squeeze out more from you know, kind of these smaller budgets. Like you start looking at more practical effects. You start looking at ways like how can I do this? How can I do that? Um, the I bring up Oppenheimer again. All that stuff in that movie was all practical. You know what I mean? The particles yeah. whizzing, the explosion, like everything. And it's like if movies kind of dived into that and, and focused in on like, how can we kind of progress cinema forward with like practical effects and lowering mm-hmm. the budgets? I think that we would maybe get more IPs that are more like kind of in, you know, different, but right now the only thing that seems to be quote unquote working for them with their formula is just, you know, re-releases and remakes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which sucks. Prequels. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Prequel. Do we even talk about prequels? I don't know if that's a whole other <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it, it just depends on how it's done. Like, I saw a report where they're trying to make a Die Hard prequel. Why? Really? Yeah, it was just some random YouTube thing. I ended up watching like five minutes of it. Dude quoted, uh, I wish I could give him credit for, um, I don't remember where it was. But yeah, it was just a quick thumbnail, some guy, and then he was talking about how they're contemplating making a Die Hard prequel. It's like, why? Who needs At that? that point, just make a whole original IP because yeah. there's no need for that. <laughs> Well, I mean, that takes away from, you know? like, the original, right? Because the the thing that yeah. made the original so great is, like, you just have this standard street cop, right? That's, like, mm-hmm. thrown in this crazy situation. And that's what makes the first one so unique. So, like, what are you going to do that's going to top that? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. It, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And I think they tried to do that bringing Disney back into the fold. They were trying to do that with uh, Chris Pratt, weren't they? With, like, Indiana Jones. They were trying to do, like, a younger... Indiana no, Jones I did hear about like that. They're just trying to cast him in anything and everything. He'll say yes to it. Feels like because I keep hearing Chris Pratt like attached like, to yeah, everything, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good dude though. Yeah. I do like Chris yeah. Pratt. He, he's like a really nice guy. But yeah, I feel yeah. like he does kind of agree to everything that yeah. that's thrown at him. He's like the more modern age Sam Jackson because that dude's been in like almost two hundred <laughs> movies, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think he he it didn't doesn't he like hold a record for like the most movies or something like that? I remember reading something along those lines that Sam Jackson's just been in so many fucking movies. Yeah, he like held some record or something like that. But because he'll he'll take a movie even if he's just in it for like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, and he and, and he's a big name too. But I mean, it's like you know you want to be in this movie for ten minutes, he'll be like, sure, I don't care. 241 movies man are you serious man 
Yeah, and I wish and I could. Jackson, dude. He's, he's such a cool dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. And you know he's like in his 70s, man. Yeah, bro. He's 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 up and he has so much energy. I'm, I always yeah. joke with my I'm like, I wish I had that much energy when I'm working in my 70s, yeah. dude. Yeah. He's just, but I, you know what? And to bring it down to another variable, we're talking about star power. Shout out to Sam Jackson because I, I, I think he, he actually does, like I just said, he'll take, even if it's a small time role, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like, or like a movie that's like not even like a big budget. Sometimes yeah. you'll be like, oh, there's Sam Jackson. And, and it's like, yeah. you need more actors that are willing to do something like that, not just, you know, because he could easily be like, I need, you know, $10 million for this movie because I'm Sam oh, Jackson. Easily. But even he, for 10 I, seconds of time. Yeah, but he doesn't yeah. do that. I think he's like yeah. super. He he really cares about cinema and the movies that he's in, and he just wants mm-hmm. to be in a good movie or a different movie. And I think that's why. I mean, he's at two hundred something movies right now. That's that's crazy. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because he's one of my favorite actors, man. Um, mm-hmm. I just love him and everything. Pulp Fiction. Um, what was it? Uh, he had a very minor role in this movie that I watched called Death by Temptation, which is about like a succubus. It's a trauma really? movie, but yeah, he plays like a, a preacher and he's got like maybe like four minutes of screen time, but he's just what a year is that 91. I want to say, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about this. Uh, we did it for the watch party, um, on the discord. It was me and bloody and we were watching it, but it's about this girl that'll go to a bar and just seduce people and then just bring them home and kill them. Like that's, that's the pretty. whole point of the movie. It's it, dude. It was actually really good. I had a really good plot to it. Some of the cinematography in that was absolutely insane, and it's a low budget movie. But yeah, it's it's just like I find myself instead of looking for modern movies, and it's it's not like I do not in any way fall in that camp of like modern movies are bad or modern music mm-hmm. is bad, right? It's just there's so much that's already been out. I can much more easily go and find something readily available on like Tubi, Peacock, yeah. Pluto, anything. From like the 1980s, you know, like Dario Argento, Mario um, Bava, Lamberto Bava, uh, Fulci, like stuff like that that I'm into. Like, man, have you ever gotten into Giallo? I've never asked you that. You would know that genre. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in doing it. I mean, like I said, I've been on my binge of like Japanese movies, Japanese horror movies lately, but I'd love yeah. to get into Italian or so i'll sell people on it i i know a lot of people that do listen are into that but like think so i always like to categorize when it comes to horror because it's not necessarily horror i would categorize it's it's more thriller it has horror elements in giallo okay. so like i like to categorize at the time that giallo became more prevalent because argento is considered like the godfather of you know uh, giallo but the thing is is like in horror from the 70s onwards became all about like naked women gore and scary killer you know with a Mm -hmm. cool mask this or that right giallo is all about a genuine story right i i I am actually pretty hard pressed i know some of it exists out there but argento doesn't have a lot of naked women in like his his giallo right Mm -hmm. and it's all about the uniqueness of it like one of my favorite ones is opera and so it's not really a play of phantom on the uh, phantom of the opera but what it is is like so he'll get the the actress right and then like tie her down and he does this every time that he kills somebody and this is his more like i guess you could say slasher oriented one rather than a big like you know thriller based buildup. but he'll put these needles in her eyelids so that anytime that she like pulls her eyelids down like it'll stab her in the eyelids so she has to watch him do everything oh, you know wow. what i'm saying so, like, orange it, kind of shit. <laughs> yeah exactly so it's very unique and very different and he never copies the same tropes. Then you have like Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which you'd love. You have Four Flies on Grey Velvet, which has amazing cinematography. One of the, 
some of the strongest last like minute of a movie I've ever seen is in that movie. But it, it's things like that. Like there's just such a golden era for that time of things that like I just never got to consume. So that's what I've been on. Like I was watching Zombie Three right before we started rolling because I only seen one and two, and that's a Fulci movie and it's good. He's just known for practical effects and that's what i like you know what i mean seeing like how things get done and this and that and i just wish we would have more of like less reliance on cgi yeah and more practical like whenever it comes to 2001 the paint scenes and stuff like that like the going into the monolith and stuff like that like it's just so cool to find out how they do things afterwards especially that's why i like physical media with the special features and everything mm-hmm. like that you know just finding out how they did it how they crunched the the budget how they did this how they got all on hands and did this like and we're man, it's wild too, man i mean like when you think about it like when you think about like you said 2001 or movies like say 80s and 70s it's like you know they're shooting on film too so it's like you mm-hmm. know it, it's like it's a risk. I mean, you can go through a whole reel, try to do something practically, and then you know, do the the dailies the next day and look at it and be like, that looks like crap. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean. And like, yeah. like now now we're shooting on digital, and people can't even even when we're shooting on digital, people can't take the risk of doing something practically. You could see right then and there what it looks like in frame, and people yeah. still aren't doing it, which which is mind boggling to me. Um, yeah, so I'll check that out. Throw me. I mean, we're doing that segment, man, with a you know. I'll watch. Oh this yeah, that, watch that sick. I know we have like. I'm stoked to see what uh, your thoughts are on that movie. I threw your way here soon. Yeah, I had to take a few days to process that movie because <laughs> you guys, you guys throw me some quirky shit, man. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys watching? I mean, like, I, but yeah, I, I, I want to save it for that episode because I had to. Yeah. I, it wasn't like Tokyo Gore Police for sure, where it was like. It's actual story and everything. Yeah, there's actual story there. Um, so I yeah. kind of sit there and process it for a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, I think at the end of the day, kind of like what we're saying, guys, it's just, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of good movies. I think Chase made a really good point where it's like, you know, you can't say there are no good movies right now. No, not at all. There are tons of good movies that you just have to, you know, make your way to see. You have to kind of step out of your comfort zone a little bit and expose yourself take to risks. something different. Yeah, take risks and and listen to people's feedback too. You know, join communities and you know you'll hear people talk about really cool movies. And um, you know, if I if I never, I, honestly, dude, I mean, when I was when I first started collecting Blu-rays, I was just so my mind was just on mainstream titles. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I had never even thought about you know venturing out into like international markets or like like kurosawa was one of my favorite directors of all time now and i'd never seen any of his movies just because i was so focused on mainstream titles when i was growing up but over time i mean the more you kind of expose yourself to these movies or these international markets you just want more Mm -hmm. i'm on tubi now man and it's just like you know the next recommended movie i'm like hit play hit play hit play and i don't (laughs) even know what who directed it or what it is but uh you know it's just cool to see something different and i think that we are thankfully in a good era right now with i mean the good part of streaming where you know you could expose yourself to a lot of good movies um yeah for free sometimes um and you know we should be thankful for that and taking advantage of that the, you know the best we can yeah absolutely shout out to be the deity in the sky yeah, i know we always <laughs> We always made we need yeah. to like get them as a sponsor or something because like every freaking episode we talk about Tubi. Man, uh, I wish I could support them financially somehow. Isn't like, there? I, I thought there was like, like an ad. Isn't there like an ad free? No, no, really. There's no way to support. How them. does that work, dude? How do they make <laughs> enough money? Like ser- seriously, I, I don't know the business. It's kind of like streaming. We don't know the business aspects of it, right? Yeah. After, I mean, that's what the whole strike was about. But it's like I don't understand how they're making money off of no paid memberships and just ads because there's Even not a lot of ads either. 
No, it's not. They're short, like 30. There, there's times I get up, take a bathroom break, and I come back like, dude, what? I literally sprinted yeah. and came back, and you're already and back sometimes on. It's like maybe two or three during a you know two-hour movie, which is not bad at all. At, at mm-hmm. all. Like it's, it's like I don't understand how they're making a profit. And I totally am with you. If they had some membership where it's like five bucks, I'd support them just because of how many cool movies they have on there. Yep, exactly. But I respect them. You know, free is free. You know, they've always been. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe two minutes total of ads. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Like, yeah, they need to (laughs) tag them. Let us us sponsor you. Hashtag Tubi because we're we're using your app all the time. Yeah. Uh, We're funding them single handedly almost at this point. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, so. I know we we jumped a little bit all over the place about remakes. We just really only really got into remakes about like because we really wanted to tie into where we felt like the international appeal became in a watered down mm-hmm. market. So we wanted to thank you guys for tuning in about our talk about remakes, international appeal, and really I guess you could say this was even a really part two of the state of cinema at this point. Yeah. You know, um, just because there's so much to talk about and things have been changing so much, you know, like we, we live in a very fast paced world nowadays. It's changed a lot over the last 10, 15 years. So what we consumed last year is going to be changing going into 2024. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, uh, on our Willis episode. <laughs> I know, me, right? Dave. That sucks. And Maybe we need to bring, do like kind of a part two of this just to see Will's thoughts on it as well. Just cause I know Will's yeah. probably listening to this. He's like, how did they not bring this up? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we did this one off the dome for the most part, and I feel like we did well on that. So let us know. And also, I kind of wanted to start throwing this off. Let us know in the comments some recommendations. If there's something you want us to talk about, anything like that, throw down in the comments what you would like to see us talk about. Of course, we usually plan um, what we're going to talk about, usually for a few weeks, sometimes a month out in advance. But sometimes, I mean, we've seen it on the Discord, people t- uh, ask us what we want to talk about, and we do it. And we love to entertain you guys. So yeah. throw it out there. Let us know in the comments below what you want to hear us talk about next. Yeah. And we appreciate all the support guys. Uh, as always uh, like subscribe, comment down below, and we will check you guys out next week for the next episode. Later, everybody. See you. See you.